So, Kelsey, you've never been to Victorian Christmas, right? No, I have not. Okay. Well, is there anything in particular that you'd like to know about it? What time does it start? So, it's going to be December 14th and 15th, which is today. And tomorrow. And tomorrow. um, From 6 to 9 p.m. in downtown Thomasville. And what is it exactly? So, Thomasville is an interesting place in that it has a lot of history it has a lot of beautiful things, and it has a central downtown. And so they like to combine all of that around Christmas time and pay homage to their kind of 19th century roots by having, like, Victorian food and performers and street fair atmosphere, having all of the shops downtown open late, having a bunch of, like, attractions to bring people in, and it's a lot of fun. It sounds like it. It is. Um, it's like a three-hour... I don't know, like, like what's the best theme park you can imagine that doesn't have any rides? <laughs> you and I have very different ideas about theme parks. I think but... we, I think we might. But anyway, it's all the good parts. It's got the food. It's got the performance. It's got a lot of people and a lot of really good shopping. And where could I learn more about it? If you want to learn more, you can check out thomasvillega.com to figure out where to go, when to be there. Um, but basically, downtown Thomasville, December 14th and 15th, 6 to 9 p.m. I'll be there. I will, too. to episode 149 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm joined by two special guests for Love It or Loathe It, Volume 10. Introduce yourselves, please, guys. I'm Emily McKenna, owner of Your Maker. And I'm Hunter McClendon, and there's nothing special about me. He's a frequent customer and contributor to this podcast. That too. Um, Okay, so guys, we are here to talk about Fierce Kingdom by Jen Phillips. Uh, Emily, why don't you give us a brief synopsis of what Fierce Kingdom is about? All right, it's about a woman and her four-year-old child. You meet them when they're at the zoo, which they are frequent customers. Zoo zoo patrons. (laughs) (laughs) And um, they're leaving at the end of the day before closing, and before they get to the entrance, she sees a shooting happening, and the book is mostly about that evening of hiding from the shooters and trying to survive. Yes. That's exactly what it's about. I'm going to just say, this book came out around October, Yeah. and so I think I wrongfully, wrongly, I think I wrongly assumed this was a thriller, Um, and I read the premise, like the blurb in the front of the book, and it never mentions an active shooter. And so I did not know that until, like, I took it home this weekend to read, and Maddie, one of our booksellers, gave me the description, and she mentioned an active shooter, and I was like, oh, that's not what I thought this was about. (laughs) Uh, And we'll talk about listener comments, but I really did think it was going to be more zoo-oriented. I didn't realize, yeah, I had no idea this was a mass shooting book a book about a mass shooting no like when i first like when i like i think it's known at this point by some people that i don't know i don't i like just to just go in not knowing anything yes and i thought 
well, it's probably going to be where a lion, like, attacks the child, the child <laughs> is bleeding to death, and they can't get out. And then um, when the active shooter thing happened, I was like, oh. Yeah. it's different. just It was just different from what I was expecting. Again, I think because of the release date, I had in my mind almost, like, I don't know, thriller, mm-hmm. Well, so suspense. do you not feel like it was, like, thrilling and suspenseful? I thought it was in- extremely intense. Well... It's funny that you say, like, that you, like, have mis- mis- misconception about it being a thriller because I feel like this is probably the first time we've read a book recently that has been, like, kind of has that thriller attachment to it that I felt was thrilling. Yeah. Uh, unlike A Separation, which I thought was just... I read yeah. the first 26 pages. I, I would do this every time when I started just to get a taste. Yeah. And then I go back to it when I get the due date. Yeah. <laughs> when we find out when we're recording. And I was... I read it and I was terrified of this book okay it was so intense and i it just haunted me and i thought i don't know if i'm gonna be able to do this and you have kids i have kids yeah and then when i read it that was like the most thriller part was the beginning when i finished i thought oh was would i call that a thriller yeah i'm not sure i don't think i would call it a thriller but for me the intensity maintained throughout the book but i wonder i read it in two sittings so I didn't, and I did not, there was not a lot of time between those. Pretty much I read it, finally went to sleep one night, and then woke up and finished it. And I wonder if the intensity also just came from not putting it down. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if it would have lost some of its intensity for me if I put it down for a little while. Um, because part of it was feeling like you were living it with her. Yeah. Well, I read those pages, skipped, and then finished it in one sitting. Okay. So you did go back to it yeah. and read so it. So only like 26 that. pages were separated. Okay. <laughs> so I, um, one thing that I went into the book thinking was that it was just going to be told from Joan's perspective, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the mom's perspective. And one, I want to talk about the fact that the book then does have the occasional narration by another character. Or, yeah. or not necessarily narration, but another character's perspective. Did you like that? I did not. I did not like it either. <laughs> I was fro- so frustrated because I did not understand what was happening at first. Yeah. And I was reading it and I was like, I was like, why is, I was, this author does not know how to write this character consistently. And then I was like, <laughs> oh wait. Different character. I, yeah. Yeah, I felt like that maybe took away from some of the intensity mm-hmm. for me, uh, which maybe but, it was written intentionally. I don't know. Well, I I was a little annoyed with it at first, yeah. but then it made me think, why would she do this? And mm-hmm. I feel like it punctuated the whole evening where she was very alone, mm-hmm. and then there's other people there, and then she encounters more people mm-hmm. at one point, and I just feel like it kind of, it changes the rhythm of the yes. book, where it... I don't know. I, it kind of, it gave me just a feeling of, of just the tempo changes. Yeah. And there wasn't, correct me if I'm wrong, but the addition of the other voices wasn't consistent. Like you didn't, no. you didn't read two or three sections of Joan and then get another voice, two, three sections of Joan and another sporadic. voice. It was very sporadic. Which I will say the one thing that, the one reason why I thought I see why they would do this is because I thought maybe it's because there's a possibility that people are going to die because they always have, like, the flip... Like, in Allegiant, if anyone has read that Veronica Roth Allegiant book, they switch up stuff a lot because someone dies and you can't tell the same story with right. the narrator dying. Right. Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler for Allegiant. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I felt like those additional voices took away from the overall book for me yeah. however I also did appreciate trying to figure out 
Because in real life, when a when we read about a shooting like this or we hear about it on the news, you do wonder what is happening in the mind of the shooter. Mm -hmm. And so I wondered if this was the author's response to that. Yeah. Um, Was her trying to figure out what could be in the mind of someone like this. Um, And then you also got a glimpse at how someone else might respond. Because I don't think everybody would be... I felt like Joan really was calm, cool, and collected, honestly. Yeah. And so maybe getting the perspective of a teenager or an Mm -hmm. older woman, like how they would respond to something like this. So I can, I guess I could understand hearing those voices, but I thought Jones was the most powerful. Mm -hmm. It was the one I was most interested in hearing from. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think what else I kind of want to talk about. Um, I loved the relationship between Joan and her son. Yeah. And one listener comment we got was that she felt like this author really understood Mm four-year-olds and understood a four-year-old, a four-year-old's voice really well. Um, Emily, you're the only one here with kids. Did you find that kid to be realistic? He, I mean, he was a highly intelligent kid, I think. Yeah. So, um, but in terms of the things that she worried about for him, um, there were things that I was like, oh no, he's going to get hungry or pee or, you know, if he starts crying because he doesn't understand, like those things went through my mind and then, um, well, I forgot the other thing I was going (laughs) to say. I think the whole reeling him back in kind of thing, that constant like reeling him back in to like make sure that he was like staying in, in a spot so that way... Like, he wouldn't, like, run out and get, like, shot or something. Yeah. I thought that was a very realistic thing, because I, like, whenever we're at the bookshelf, there's always people who bring in their little children who are constantly, like, running all around the place, and you're having to grab at them, because they won't stay still. Um, But I will say, just a side note about, like, like very intelligent children, I'm really a little bit over, like, hyperverbal, like, very, just, like, very articulate, like, very, like... Precocious. Yes. Not that, like, which I don't feel like this kid was that bad, but, like, I do feel like this is a common thing now in, in books is that um, children are, like, very intelligent. Yeah, and, like, almost adult. Yes. I had a little issue with how much she shared with him. Like, she was mm. very honest. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm a very honest parent with my kids, but even I was like, I'm not sure if I would tell them, that's a bad guy, he might kill us. Yeah. Like, Yeah. All I could think about was, how is this going to long-term affect this child? Oh, yeah, horribly. Like, like, um, I definitely, he will, he will struggle. But do you think, but do you think she would, like, in that situation, do you think her first thought's going to be like, how is this going to, like, like, no, I think in the moment. That would totally be going through my head. I think, but I think in the moment, you do whatever you have to do, even if that, and I think her thought was maybe I can scare him into behaving. Yeah. Like, you have got to... Be- this is not the time to run away from mommy. This isn't the time to advent- to like, venture out, to cry. This isn't the time to yeah. cry. Um, and I, f- I felt like he handled it very well. But at the same time, as far as the four-year-olds I encounter on a pretty regular basis, it also seemed pretty realistic to yeah. me. I thought she did a good job of writing well, the mother-son relationship. And as a future bad parent, I assume <laughs> that if I was ever caught up in a situation like that, I would tell my child because I'd be like, if you don't shut up, <laughs> we don't get shot. Just let you know. So. Yeah, yeah, I think, I don't know. Those, those questions, which I do love that she set up the book so that we got to see their relationship before. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a the opening pages 
are just normalcy. And so you kind of got to see the mother-son relationship before the added stressor. Mm -hmm. And I liked that because I liked knowing what kind of mother she was before the chaos. And then you could see what kind of mother she was in the middle of the chaos. And so I liked that we didn't just open on this horrifying scene. Instead, we got a a look at their really lovely, I thought it was a lovely relationship. Um, Knowing that, Every day she takes her son somewhere and they get to experience these lovely adventures together. And she just seemed like a really competent, delightful parent. And mm-hmm. her relationship with her son, Chris, has talked about before on the podcast that there aren't very many books about a mother-son relationship that mm-hmm. aren't weird. <laughs> and so I think already I was sucked in because I was like, oh, a mother-son relationship. Mm-hmm. And one that seems to be healthy <laughs> and interesting. Did either of you guys get any like casual flashbacks to room yes i was gonna name room actually it reminded me of a great deal okay yeah yeah because like when i was the whole time i was reading it i was like i was like this reminds me so much of room yeah and like and and in the same ways because i also feel like that's another great example of a mother like doing what she thinks really is the best and it not and pretty much is doing the best she really can yeah under that situation and it's another intense thing and i thought yeah, and yeah. she also struggles with how much do you tell, how much does she tell her son yeah. versus how much does she kind of imagine and create for him. Mm-hmm. I immediately thought of Room, so okay, that's good. a good comp title. Um, okay, one thing I think that will come up in book clubs, and I don't think this is spoilery, so I think we can go ahead and talk about it. While they are running for their lives, mm-hmm. she encounters people, and she has to make a decision, do we help you know, do I help the woman with the baby? Mm-hmm. Do I help the older woman? Or do I fend for myself? And I think that's a question that'll come up in book clubs if you read this in a group. And so I'm curious what you guys thought about some of the ethical dilemmas she encountered. Well, um, I was on a plane recently, and on the plane they tell you to put the air thing, the mask on your face first, and then on someone else. Yeah. So now I've been trained to take <laughs> care of myself first, and then... The people next to <laughs> That one plane ride really changed you. Yeah. So, it's a good life lesson, really, to put your own oxygen mask on first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah oxygen mask. Yeah. yeah. And so I kept thinking, like, the whole time I was reading this, I thought, well, if I'm dead, I can't help anybody. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know, like... It was hard to read, particularly the encounter when she sees the mother with a screaming baby mm-hmm. and she has to figure, she has found a hiding place for her and her son mm-hmm. and she sees the mom and the baby and she has to make a gut decision of, do I invite them to my hiding place or do I let them kind of fend for themselves? And that was very hard to read because I immediately thought, oh my gosh, what would I do? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I feel differently. Um, do you, well, how did you feel? Yeah. I 100% would have done what she did. Everything yeah. she did as a mother. Yeah. Almost everything is exactly what I would have done. Yeah, that's good. And and I think I think I liked the baby mm-hmm. because the, she encountered the baby again. Yes. In a different way and had a much different reaction. Yes. And I thought that is consistent because she's gonna relate to that baby yes. as a mother and she's gonna want to take care of that baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was one of the best parts of the book. Good. Yeah. I so I read that and I did like I just thought what would I do and I thought well your first priority is your kid. Mm-hmm. So I totally, I did not, I did not fault her for not yeah. helping the mother and baby, but I immediately mm-hmm. thought, oh my gosh, this is hot. Like not only are you running mm-hmm. from murderers yeah. and trying to protect your child, but you're also having ethical dilemmas of who do you help? I'm well, not a bad person. Cause I no. don't think I would have felt bad at all. No. <laughs> no, but let me just say this though. If it had been 
a man, like the stereotypical man who has been trained to do like the bright male thing, whatever, that like we're like taught in society, I definitely think that a man would have had a different reaction because like no matter how like a lot of like men who have been kind of like trained to have like good home training whatever like boy scouts yes talking? yes that they, <laughs> like i think he, yeah and i think he, a man would have like and not in a better not to be better or worse i just think that a man would have had a different reaction just because of how like women are trained to take care of your young and men are trained to like take care of like women and children because like they think that oh that's a good point i hadn't thought about that yeah. you know i just realized that aside from like one passerby, mm -hmm. the only men were shooters. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. You, in, we encounter no males to even see how they would hmm. be reacting. I mean, yeah. you, you're right. There's one passerby toward the beginning, mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, the main people we encounter are female. Yeah. And I would have liked to have seen how a male um, would have shifted the dynamic mm -hmm. um that was something we didn't really see and i didn't think of that either till hunter started talking i was like wait well, we didn't see any men and i'm not sure if that like like is this spoiler to say that like <laughs> what kind of people the shooters are no because i thought the passage because the, the it's white men yeah. who are the shooters and there's like a passage where it basically is talking about how like it's Always, always the white, the white man. man. And if you say that that's a lie, then you're lying because <laughs> it is always the white men right now who are shooting people. So You get so Georgia. Yeah. Every so often. It makes me laugh. <laughs> I forget that you're from Georgia until, I don't know, your, your granny's voice comes out. I'm not sure what that's that is. What, yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh. No, but you're, you're right. I mean, I thought that was really poignant. I will say... I'm glad I read this now. Mm -hmm. um, I wondered how the author felt. I did not look at the release date of this book, but I feel like it happened right around the Vegas shooting. Yeah. And I wondered when this author was writing this book, did she struggle with that at all? Mm -hmm. um, because this is a difficult book to read in light of the world we inhabit. Like, yeah. this is not something that happens every so often now. This is ha something that happens regularly. Mm -hmm. And it happens in our safe spaces, whether it's churches or schools or movie theaters. And so I thought that her putting it at a zoo was really realistic and interesting. Yeah. Um, but the realistic nature of this book also made it really difficult to read, mm -hmm. especially given current events. Um, and I wondered how she felt about that. I, I would mm -hmm. love to hear an author interview with her where she talks about if that affected her while writing or... If, you know, the I wonder if she had a sinking feeling when she published her book and mm -hmm. a couple of weeks later an event like that actually happened. Right. I just wonder what she, how she might have felt. When I finished this book, I don't mean to abruptly change no, the subject. No, go ahead. But when I, when I finished it, I thought, I'm having feelings, but I feel like this book should have, like I should have liked it more. Mm -hmm. And so am I crazy? Am I a bad, like am I just, do I just like bad books? You know, <laughs> yes. Sometimes I, I like bad movies, and yeah. I typically like bad music. And he just said yes that you just like bad books. No, no I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I said I'm yes, like I have those moments too because so, we're reading in a vacuum. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, I was, so I thought, well, if I ask Annie, she's not going to want to talk about it till the podcast, and it's late, so I'm not going to text Hunter. So I went on Goodreads. So I was like, I just need to orient myself and my feelings. Yeah, where mm -hmm. you sit. And one of the reviewers made an interesting point that. 
you know, you're in a zoo where you're safe when you're on the outside and the animals are the danger. Mm -hmm. But in this, she goes in to hide in the cage, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she feels safe on the, the zoo, but, you know, in the cage, but unsafe where you're typically feeling safe, which I thought was just an interesting interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. Which I like that. Yeah. I was never pointed out. If you have to really think about it, I don't think that it, I don't think it's like a secret message about the meaning of the Mm -hmm. book. Yeah. So much, but. Oh no, that's a really level, really interesting thought. Yeah. Well articulated thought. Um, Okay. So we are going to talk some spoilers for a few minutes. So how about um, if you're looking at your podcast app, come back at around minute 21 and that way we can talk about if we loved it or loathed it. Okay. And some listener comments too, because we did get some listener comments. Okay. So spoiler zone, you have been warned. All right, what did you guys think about kind of the final saga of this this family? I was stressed. Like, the last bit, like, it's so funny because I forgot how much I, like, really, because I, like, I, I read this in one sitting and I forgot how much I, like, was stressed out the whole time I was reading it. <laughs> and at the last part, because I'm pretty sure that she can't find her son at one point, right? She leaves her son. She leaves her son, and then mm-hmm. she's, but she goes back and yes. he's not there, yeah. he's in a different spot. <laughs> I literally was sick to my stomach. Yeah. Like... I thought he's been shot and it's like, what? like I, I was devastated. I think I would have had a very different response to this book if she or he had died. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm, I'm going to assume she does not die yeah. is the, I mean, it's pretty ambiguous at the end, but I have resolved in my head that she yeah. lives. <laughs> I, I thought she died. Okay. Oh God. I know sad. it was vague, but I went, my mind went. Your mind went died. that way. Well. My mind had to go to she lived because, because I think I would have had a different reaction to the book mm-hmm. if they, if one or both of them had died. I thought it made the book way more interesting if she died. Mm. You I know would have been the... more depressed. I no, couldn't. but let me just like quick little comparison and get out um, oh, yeah. Spoiler for Get Out. Um, the at the end, like a cop does, like there's a cop car that comes up, and it actually is like, um, it's his friend who like saves him basically. And I felt like in a way, the idea that it leaves it where there's a possibility that sh- they both live is another way of giving hope. Mm. And I thought, and I feel like this has been like kind of a year of like trying to give hope to these like awful events that are happening. Well, that is, and I think that's that that's a great way to put what I'm trying to say, which is. If she had died in the end, I would have felt like this was bleak. Like, mm-hmm. completely bleak. Like, I just would have thought, I don't know if I liked this book now. Um, I needed her to live yeah. in my head. Um, but I thought it was a very realistic ending where she she had to kind of leave her son behind. I knew they couldn't keep running like that. He was tired. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, okay. So before we go into listener comments and love it or loathe it, I do want to talk about a scene, and I don't think this is a spoiler, it happens early in the book, but it's one that came up a couple of times in comments. <laughs> so early on, she has her cell phone, and she's mm-hmm. communicating with her husband. And I thought that was super realistic. We live in a world now where we do have communication tools, like it's not the 90s where mm-hmm. we don't have cell phones. Um, but at one point, she throws her phone to distract Mm-hmm. Um, to distract the shooters. And I think she throws it so that it will ring. Or how did she... The, the light is supposed to like That's get right. them thinking that they're, she's heading over a different way so she can run. Right, because she feels like having the light on her phone has caught their attention. Mm-hmm. So she throws it. What are your thoughts on that situation? I really liked it. Okay. Because I'm, 
I, the phone made me uncomfortable. I was thinking if I'm sitting there and I could be in touch with what's happening normally outside the world, mm-hmm. it would make me feel so much more panicked than mm-hmm. if I was focused mm-hmm. on the situation. And then I liked that she threw it because she was mm-hmm. desperate to gain control of something. Yeah. And she, there's so much unknown with her kid. She's in the, you know, obviously in the a pin where there might be an animal, but yeah. probably not. And I think, I just like that she got rid of it to like kind of take back control of I wondered if it was a plot device from an author too you'll hear often uh I feel like screenwriters have said that they have a really hard time now living in a world where cell phones can solve a lot of problems yeah and I wondered if the writer was like she's gotta we gotta get her rid of the cell phone I would have thrown the phone just because her husband stressed me out (laughs) I was like could you please stop because like there's an active shooter there's nothing I can do Leave but, me alone. But I would have been in like, that position for sure. She's got my kid. Like, I... I know. Like, like I would have for sure been like, are you okay? What can I do? Because he obviously felt helpless. Yeah. I really had a hard time. We talked about how realistic this book is. I mean, her throwing the phone infuriated me because I was like, <laughs> right. what? Like, that's your one key to, like, right. knowing what's going on. Mm-hmm. I also had a really hard time with how long it took police to enter the zoo. But the book, the entirety of the book takes place over three hours Mm -hmm. so perhaps it wasn't that long but Mm -hmm. i really felt for her thinking where are the good guys like well they explained late in the book why it might have been taking long yes yes and we do get an explanation but it's still it frustrated me and i want to know is that realistic like is that how long it takes but i think in chaotic scenes perhaps where there's an active shooter i think and they think that there's possible people who are like who are like alive that could be injured that's why it takes and perhaps hostages and things like that um, but it, gosh, it felt like it just took forever um, for good guys to arrive on the scene. But um, when they arrived, it wasn't that awesome. Yeah, yeah. Which, this that is, was the, one of the scarier parts. This yeah. is not a spoiler. This is just a quick little thing. I was a little bit annoyed with the little teenage girl because she just that little teenager who like talked yes. for a minute. I was like, I was like, girl, now is the time. Stop. <laughs> Like, but I felt like some people get which, nervous. No, and I, and it was very realistic, but yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very realistic. But I was like, stop it. It was to me, it was realistic, and we, <laughs> you're exactly like I know that. that's why I was annoyed. I was like, I can't stand seeing myself. In I was books. about to say, we, we hate that which we find in ourselves, yeah, but. Just like we didn't see a male perspective, I like mm-hmm. that we got an older person's perspective yeah. who struggled, like mm-hmm. she had trouble with her knee, and then we got this young woman's perspective who obviously, it was taking her a long time to process that she might not make it. Like, yeah. she was verbalizing all of these thoughts and drove Joan nuts, which I yeah. also felt like was realistic because Joan kind of kept herself together, which was impressive. Well, and I will just say quickly that um, if a man had been in here, I think it could have very quickly gone into some like... Um, action hero film type yeah. deal where like you know he saves everyone and all the women are fine yeah and, like, the man I'd like to think men are more nuanced but we're living in a time where it feels less well likely. I, I've seen too many like bad re- badly reviewed action movies to <laughs> I just assume now yeah but. okay so we do have a couple of listener comments and I thought um, one listener commented in particular about um the representation of motherhood. So Noel82 on Instagram said that she could not stop reading this book. She loved it, thought it was well-developed and intense without making me terrified of zoos forever. The observations on modern motherhood motherhood were insightful without being presented morally or in a funny way, which are the two ways authors seem to deal with motherhood these days. Mm-hmm. Agree? Disagree? I agree. Agree. Um, I agree, and I 
think that that's not at all what I was expecting from Fierce Kingdom based on the cover, based right. on the marketing. We, Emily, I think you asked, is this a thriller? Yes, but it also feels just really a parenthood story, mm-hmm. um, which goes back to the comparisons to Room. Room yeah. is thrilling. It is suspenseful, right. but it is more about motherhood mm-hmm. than anything else. Okay, somebody else said, uh, this is from Sammy KM, I guess I liked it overall, but it wasn't what I expected. I thought the animals would play a much larger part in the story. I guess the point was that the fierceness was really inside the humans rather than the animals, and at our worst, we are more violent and evil than the most dangerous animals. But I was hoping for a little more Jumanji, I guess. What do you guys think about that? I want to be her friend now. (laughs) Because of the Jumanji reference? Yeah. Yeah. I did not expect... I am shocked that I wasn't more aware of the animals, mm-hmm. you know, until the scene with the monkey. Yes, that had been had gone out, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh yeah, the animals could actually do stuff." Yeah, yeah, we're in a zoo. I think at first I was very confused too when we find out who who the shooters are. And you get like little glimpses of their commentary and they act like they're going on a hunt. And it took me a while. I was like, oh, are they hunting the zoo animals? Because, you know, some people do that. Like yeah. hunt actual elephants and bears. And I thought, did they, are they killing humans? But really the goal is to kill bears. I was very confused at first. Um, <laughs> but there was a lot more description of dead animals than dead people. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah. In fact, it took me, there's an opening scene, really the moment where Joan realizes a shooting has occurred, mm-hmm. where they're exiting the zoo, and she talks about fallen scarecrows. And it took me more than longer than it should have for me to realize, oh, she has seen human bodies. Yeah. And you're right. We get a lot more descriptions of the animals' bodies than we ever do the humans. I think that's intentional. Yeah. I think it would have been overwhelming yeah. to have too much of that. Yeah. I think she... I think this author... It felt like she tried really hard to keep it just graphic enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I felt like she was scared. Mm. Because I just feel like if you're going to have this intense situation, mm-hmm. why can't you go all in? Okay. It, because it didn't, her refraining didn't seem to serve a greater purpose to me, to the story. Okay. I don't think it, it didn't add anything. Interesting. And I just, I kind of was like, why isn't it? Why isn't there more fear? Why is... I mean, this woman is so logical. She's mm. clearly scared, but she's super logical. Mm-hmm. This was someone who's going through it and maybe reflects on it later. Not that Those would not be the thoughts of a mother going through it. Yeah. It's way too thought out. Or a different kind of person. Because I will say, <laughs> we talk about Myers-Briggs on this podcast all the time, but I very much... I was like, oh, is this what I'm going to be like as a mother? Because she felt so logical, even before. Because again, we get a glimpse of her as a mother before the chaos. And she just seemed, I was like, oh, maybe she's an INTJ. Like, she's quiet. She interacts with her child a very certain way. And you're right. I think she will obviously have some post-traumatic issues. Um, but during in the moment, she stays pretty calm and collected. Mm-hmm. She only really starts to lose it at the end when other people are involved, which mm-hmm. also sounded familiar to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's how I would react. And let me just say this just very quickly. There was a time when my mom and I, when I was like a like young teenager, there was a there was a guy who had a gun at a convenience store that we worked at. And my mom was actually very calm the whole time and she was just like she was like, stay down and she like my mom was very collected, but my mom also lives a different life than this woman did. So like, you know, but but I I do think that when, in motherhood it just kinda kicks into where you're like, I need to protect That's my child. True. Yeah, so, where you would do what you I had have to do. I had a similar do. story, no guns involved, but <laughs> my mom knew that I would look to her 
for her reaction uh-huh. and engaged my reaction. I had been knocked out in a softball game, and I woke up, and the first thing I did was look for her, and she intentionally did not come on the field and stood there stone-faced uh-huh. so that I wouldn't freak. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. yeah, and so, and I think, you know, this is a four-year-old you're dealing with, and yeah. he can sense whatever she's feeling, and so mm-hmm. you're right, maybe that has to do with it, too. Uh, Emily, somebody does, I, I assume this is where we're going to be going with this, but um, Raw Reads Books, R-A-W Reads Books, she said, I love this book at the beginning, what a great premise. However, I felt it dropped off into dull, wound up disappointed. Um, and so we can talk a little bit more about that. Uh, the only other comment I wanted to read was uh, one woman, Mom Life and Books, from Instagram said, I loved the premise, but there were parts that made me want to shake the book. Um, why did she get rid of her phone? Why did she trap herself in the room? It's like when you're watching a movie and you want to yell, don't do that. And I felt so sad at the end. Um, although it didn't end in the cliche way, which was nice. Um, definitely, you again, it goes back to, is this book a thriller or not? But you do read it like you watch a scary movie a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. you're very invested in the decisions she is making. And you do have those. I had that moment when she did the phone. Um, I felt like going into the room was smart. Uh, but, yeah. but, but it wound up perhaps maybe not being. I don't know. Um, okay, so I think it's time to... I think we've discussed it pretty thoroughly. Wait. Okay, I, yes. I think the room felt to me like a vehicle to get to the ending because otherwise she's just going to be hiding yeah yeah i felt like it was a way to introduce some other characters too mm-hmm. i felt like it, but mm-hmm. you only like you those characters only mattered because of the re- relationship between the old woman and one of the shooters yes yeah yeah it just felt like oh i gotta wrap it up how do i and i feel like she went back and added these things in to mm. get to the end i will say that does feel a little bit like deus ex machina kind of thing like where it's like you know here's like let me like solve this by like having like a kind of character come in and solve a problem kind of thing well because she did have to you're right and perhaps it really was a way to get to the ending because otherwise she is it's just her running with her son that can only go on for so many pages before as somebody said like it becomes a little dull um any final thoughts before we go into our kind of love it or loathe it positions i think i'm good i'm good okay hunter love it or loathe it and tell me why okay um, well, I'm not gonna, I, like, I love it because I finished it in one sitting, and any book I finish in one sitting, without regretting it, Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I give it props, and I give it four stars on Goodreads. It was frustrating, there are parts I didn't like, but overall, I'm glad I have it, I'm glad I read it, and I think it's, I thought anyone would like it, but, okay. you know, but yeah. <laughs> to each their own. Alright, Emily? I love it. Okay, why? I, well, mostly because, not only... I was terrified after the first 26 pages, but I, but af- I was not terrified at any other point. Okay. And I feel like the intro was just like a teaser to get you into it, and then it just disappoints you. Okay. Through. The longer you went. You, yeah. like, which I think is what a couple other commenters on our yeah. Instagram said. And I, I was um, texting with Hunter. I, I'm like, okay, don't, well, don't ask specifics, but out of five, what do you give it? And then, so then he said, well, how do you rate it? And I said... <laughs> Can I rate parts? Because I give the intro a five. Okay. I give the monkey scene and the baby scene four or five. And okay. everything else I wouldn't even bother rating because I was so bored. <laughs> Fell flat. Somebody else did comment on our Instagram that this was one they regretted spending four hours on. Um, so so I don't think you're alone in But it was reviews. such a fast read that I don't even care. Yeah. 
I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Okay. But I don't give it props for that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not necessarily high praise. Um, okay, I loved it. And I went in not really thinking that that's how I would feel. Um, but I, for me, it was a quick read. And so, yeah, I feel like any book that I finish like that but don't regret, I, I generally rank pretty high. I'm going to give it four out of five stars when I do my little Instagram review. Uh, I thought the other voices took away from the narrative a little bit. Um, but I thought Joan and the relationship with her little boy was really precious and reminiscent of Room. I think Room is the better version of this novel. Yeah. Uh, but I thought even with its flaws, I would still rank it four out of five. I thought it was, for me, a really enjoyable, although that is a weird word to use for this book, a really <laughs> a really uh, compelling read. Mm-hmm. Um very I think intense. you can describe it as enjoyable because it wasn't nearly as gory as it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> but also, one comment, why do we even hear from the shooters if we're never going to learn anything important about yeah. them? Yeah, to me, those were that's why I cared more about Joan and yeah. her relationship with her son. I felt like the chapters even told from the shooters' perspectives were not interesting to me. I wound up kind of skimming them. Um, but also Give me we're more given, of the front man. He sounded terrifying. Yeah, and we're not given yeah. any... I mean, again, no spoilers, but we're not given a ton to uh, to understand about mm-hmm. them yeah. um, right through to the end. So, which could be intentional. They could yeah. be trying to say like, "There's no need to like humanize these people. Like they're doing yeah. a bad thing." Yeah, but they did humanize them because That's they made true. Them did. Really sympathetic. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, she did sympathize. I'm curious. I need to. I have not because I just finished it a couple of days ago. But I would love to see if there are any good interviews um, mm-hmm. with her online. And if there are, we'll put them in the show notes. Because I would be interested to read what she has to say. Um, also, she's a Southern writer, yeah. which yeah. I was pleasantly surprised by. Uh, okay, so if you have opinions on this uh, volume of Love It or Love It, we would love to hear them. You can email Chris at podcast at bookshelfthomasville.com. of sin oh my god oh my god oh my god from the front porch is a production of the bookshelf an independent bookstore in thomasville georgia it's produced by annie jones and me chris jensen and edited by chris jensen if you're interested in purchasing the book we talked about this episode you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com shop Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. And if you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content like our monthly secret podcast called Unpopular Opinions, you can check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. And if you want to check out our website and listen to some old back episodes and read some web-only content, you can find a full back catalog at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened, but I wasn't there to hear it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.